welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today we have with us Matthew Stephen Brown. Matthew's the founding and lead pastor of Sandals Church in Riverside, California. Sandal Church began in 1997 when Matt and his wife Tammy set out to create a church where people could be real with themselves, God, and others, and since then has grown to reach more than 12,000 people each weekend. Matthew's debut, uh, debut book is a book called You, Understanding the Enneagram from a Grace-Filled Biblical Perspective. But before we talk to Matthew, we want to remind you that if you're enjoying our interviews, it would help us if you left us a review. Now let's go to Ed Setzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Executive Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Cool, cool, cool. So good good to have uh, Matt on. We're going to talk about the Enneagram. And it's interesting because it, it seems that in a way that, like I hadn't heard of the Enneagram, I don't even know, like three, four years ago. And now people ask me all the time what my Enneagram number is. And I, and I, you know, I, so I had to, I had to find out or figure it out, I guess is what you do. And then, and then Donna, my amazing wife started okay. to read on the Enneagram and then we'd be, we'd be talking at the end of the day and she'd say things like, well, you know, you're kind of an eight. So that's my, <laughs> this, that. And I was like, what's, 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 what, what's an eight? So I, I Googled and learned a little more. She's a nine. And uh, and then we read this book, The Road Between Us. We read, I read yeah. your book, Matt. And so it's interesting because people are um, kind of wading into this. It's not we'll talk a little bit. It's not it's not without people pushing back. But let's wade into a bit of this conversation. And this is actually I mean, you don't might not know Matt, uh, but but Matt has pastored and planted this church that's grown to be one of the significant churches in Southern California in the country. Uh, he's a well-known communicator, um, you know, leader. And I'm kind of intrigued by this being your debut book. You know, this is an Enneagram book seems to be something that I don't know, somebody who not like you. So why start with a book called You, Understanding the Enneagram from a Grace-Filled Biblical Perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, basically, I started with it because, you know, speaking is my gift, writing is not. And uh, the Enneagram is just something that I had studied, I'd presented, and I think it was kind of dipping my toe first into the water, the world of publishing. And, and that's why I did it because it had such a huge impact on us. And so, you know, years ago, Ed, I just had like this moment of clarity that I talk about in my book and, and my wife just was in tears after a service one day, I was assuming it was because, you know, the Holy Spirit moved once again, powerfully through me, a humble tool. Uh, that's a joke. And uh, my wife just said, I just wish that the leader that's on stage is the leader that I was married to at home. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was right. It was this, just not a knife in the back, but straight to the heart. And, and really what it, what she was saying is there's this huge gap between the performance that you give on stage and, and the reality of the person that you are. And so it, it led me on this journey of, first of all, you know, I thought that's not true. Then I thought, well, it might be true. And then I came across the Enneagram that has this idea of blind spots. We all have blind spots. And what I would say to all of our leaders on this podcast is the greater the gift of leadership, what I've noticed is the greater the gap uh, in terms of blind spots for leaders. And this is why we see leaders fail all the time. They can be so extraordinary in one area and completely blind. You know, you, you hear of a leader and you go, how on earth could someone so gifted fall for something like that so stupid? And it's just blind spots. And so I read the Enneagram and actually it was given to me in my doctoral research at uh, Talbot. And somebody said, you should read this. I mean, somebody, which I don't know that people at Biola University would want to know that <laughs> the Enneagram was first given to me there because, you know, now it's controversial. 
But uh, somebody said, one of the professors said, I feel like the Holy Spirit saying you should read this. And so I, I read it. I couldn't put it down. And I was like, oh, my gosh, when I got to the three, so many of the things that my wife was saying about me as a leader, I, 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 it's not that I thought she was lying. It's just I thought she was wrong. Does that make sense? Like I was like, no, you don't understand my heart. You don't understand what I'm trying to do. And I made all of these excuses. And then I read the three and I went, oh. The three's core sin is deceit. The number one person we lie to is ourselves. And we make excuses for the reasons, you know, we're trying to change the world, but we, we lack integrity. And I went, oh my God, this is me. And it, it just had a profound impact on me, on our church. Um, and what I wanted to do, and, and the reason I want to do is I think Enneagram is great. What I did is I went through in my book and I said, who are some biblical characters that might be like these numbers? And so I walked through those. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's biblical characters. So the four in the Enneagram is King Saul. And a lot of fours don't think they could be a leader. And that's why, you know, I, I point that out because God picked a four, a, a unique person to be the first king of Israel, which I think is profound. Uh, and just characters in the Bible and say, hey, look, here's their giftedness. Here's their beauty. And here's their brokenness. And it it literally, Ed uh, and Daniel, transformed my life, transformed our church, changed us. We didn't know. I didn't know there was a controversy about the Enneagram. Um You know, I, I come from the theological persuasion that all truth is God's truth. And so... And I don't think the devil's strategy is to lead us into truth. I think the last thing he wants us to be is real with ourselves, God, and others. But there are some people who hate the Enneagram or passionate about it, and they have amazing websites about me on it and stuff like that. So I, I just didn't know. I thought it was a legitimate tool, and, and many Christians use it. Many Christians have written about it, uh, but like all things in Christianity, it's controversial. But, Ed, why did I write about it? It transformed my life. And as I've watched leaders who went before me, so I, I came up in the late 90s. And here's what we were taught at Purpose Driven Conference or you know Willow Creek Conference. What we were taught was work on your strengths, double down on your strengths. Hmm. Don't worry about your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths, and God will magnify and bless that. Well, and then what I saw was these leaders that were teaching that crumble and fall because they had an unguarded weakness, and it was something that they didn't work on. And what I realized is it's often not our strengths that are going to take us out, but it's our weakness. And so I went, whoa, I better, I better pay attention. I better listen to my wife. And the Enneagram, better than any other tool I've found, says this is why you do what you do. It gets at the heart of motivation. What's driving this sin? What's driving this beauty? What is the force behind why you do what you do? And so it's not a personality assessment. I mean, it doesn't um, – you know, two eights, like you could be very different in personality. What it identifies is your motivation, what drives you. And and I love that for relationships with your kids. I think for uh, like you and your wife, you have different, um, you know, different motivations. You know, the nine wants the motivation of nine is peace. The motivation of the eight is to not be controlled. Those are two. Those are two different motivations. And if you can talk about that in a, in a non-specific way, like your wife saying to you, Ed, Ed, you did this, or Daniel, you did this. It's say, mm -hmm. hey, as an eight, and I don't know what Daniel's number was or if he identifies, as a whatever. Three wing two, three wing yeah, two. Yeah, there we go, three wing two. You know, let's talk about this. See, it depersonalizes it. And it's not an attack on you. It's simply an acknowledgement of a, a struggle that people like you have. So can we talk about this? And yeah. it was profound for me. It was life-changing for me. And I think that God has used, continues to use the Enneagram to change lives. And I believe that its source is Evagoras Ponticus. There are people who disagree with me. I yeah. think this comes from a Catholic monk who, listen to this, almost lost everything because of adultery. And, he, and he, he goes into his pilgrimage in Egypt, and he says, why, God, do I do what I do? 
And so he's the one, he's the first one that comes up with the triad. And he says, well, some of the things we do are, are because of our instinct. Some of them are because of our heart wounds and some of them are because of our mental stresses. And so he divides the, the core structure of the Enneagram is divided into three because Evagoras Ponticus said those three things. And then he came up with a list of eight plus one sins that we gravitate to. And, um, you know, he didn't create all of it and there's been many other contributors to it. But he, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, as a Christian monk, really asking this question, why do I do what I do? Despite what I want to do, you know, the apostle Paul wrestled with that in, in first Corinthians, or excuse me, in Romans seven, the good I want to do, I don't do the very thing I, I, I don't want to do. I find myself doing, why is that? And I think as Christians, we need to learn to ask great questions. So, yeah. Yeah, Matt, I mean, uh, yeah, as three wing too. So, um, uh, that, that means something to, to me, my tribe, cause we use it all the time. My, my, my church planning staff and team, we, we use it all the time, but I, I have to admit, like first time when I saw Enneagram and you see the pointed angles and the triangles, you're thinking yeah. pentagram, right? So right. Um, you started to get into the history a little bit of it, but uh, give us an idea. Again, there's numbers involved, there's a shape, but there's also an origin to it. And so, uh, so maybe lessen some of the fear behind it, maybe even some of the religious history behind it. Like what what is it uh, as a tool uh, so that people don't misunderstand it, and then does it actually reveal some things that we might uh, understand about God, and then how we understand ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, you know, the enneagram I think helps you get to the heart of really, I think, the call to obedience in um, uh, in the scripture that says, "Let us lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us." So, what is the sin? You know, for Daniel, what is the sin, Ed? What is the sin for Matt that easily entangles us? Because what I'm going to guess is it is sin, but for the three of us, it's going to be very different sins. And that's the problem in the church is we harp on one or two things that we've identified as sins. And and the rest of the congregation is perfect. And um, sin keeps us from God. Sin keeps us from connecting with God. And our sin actually warps our view of God. Um, so let me say this uh, uh, about the numbers. Um I don't believe Ed's a number, Daniel. I don't believe you're a number. I don't believe I'm a number. Here's how I describe it to people. I wish I would have put this in my book, but uh, this actually came to me when I did the book tour. Somebody asked a question uh, specifically, well, I don't believe people are numbers. And you know, this would have been great for my book, but it's not in there. So this is only for your listeners. I said, if I invite either of you to my house, I'm going to give you a list of numbers. And those numbers don't tell you who I am, but the address of my home tells you how to find me. That's what three wing two does for your spouse, for your friends. It doesn't tell you who Daniel is, but it helps them find you. Um, and so, so here's, so, so then you ask, so, so how does it help me understand myself? That's how it, under, it helps me understand myself and explain myself. And for a lot of us, here was my great sin, Ed, as a leader is I assumed wrongly young Matt Brown, that people wanted to be led the way I would want to be led. And so that's how I led people. Well, that's not an affair, a very effective way to lead people because we only have one Matt Brown in our church and, and many people when they're led, like I would want to be led or are offended or hurt, give up, feel abused, taken advantage of. Right. Cause it doesn't work that way. What the Enneagram helps me to do is to understand, okay, how could I lead you? And um, like my son, whom I love with all my heart is a five on the Enneagram. You guys, I have zero five. Like when I take that test, it's, I mean, it's like if there could be a negative score, I would get negative. And that's the, that's the most important relationship with a young man that I have on earth, my son. We don't think the same, experience the same. My personality is overbearing, loud. I find meaning by getting vocal, 
my son retreats, gets quiet. And I would, before the Enneagram, I would take that personal rather than saying, this is the way that he personally is wired. And so I need to give him space and time to process. And the louder I get, the, the more the more afraid he's going to be. And I just really would have missed my son had it not been for the Enneagram. Here, Daniel, is where it works for the church, you know, especially with the one, um, you know, we've all heard the story of the prodigal son. I, I hate that because it's not the story of a prodigal son. It's the story of two sons. And who is the son that is always forgotten? He's the one, the reformer, the guy who does everything right. He's been there for his father. He didn't waste his father's goods. He, he's been loyal. But what happens at the end of the story? He misses the party. <laughs> and that's the one, the reformer. They're so busy uh, making sure that everyone gets right. I call them the referee, the referee of life. And so what they turn God into, and this is what's so sad, is ones gravitate to religion, gravitate to religious structures, and they make uh, Christianity this religious order of do's and don'ts. And you get this score of how you're doing based upon what you're doing right or wrong. And that's not God's heart at all. When we look at the story of the prodigal son and, and the other older brother, that's not God. He's not this person of checking meticulous yeses and nos, but he actually wants to be a God of grace who celebrates the idiot son who came back, who I identify way more with than the, the son who was home. But but it's only the sinner who gets to celebrate. The, the reformer misses the party. And so the, I think the former skews their vision of God and then creates a playing field to kind of win. So let me give you an example of that in the book. You know that you guys know the verse, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So Evagius Ponticus had a rival and his name is Jerome. They were friends for a period of time. We don't know what happened, ended up hating each other. They end up not speaking kind of as Evagius falls out. They both struggled with adultery. They both struggled with lust, both found themselves in the Middle East trying to find God. Jerome as penance, you guys know the story, right? Translated, the, you learned Hebrew and translated um, our Greek translations into the Hebrew so we could understand that. But Jerome translated that verse, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And that's what a one does. That, that word actually means be whole, be complete as your heavenly father does. Do you, do you see the subtlety? So does God want me to be perfect as a one? I'm going to be miserable. And I'm going to see God as this father that expects things that I can never do. Or if I look at that word and say, okay, what else could this mean? Be complete, be whole. Um, God doesn't want me to create the perfect pie, but he wants me to have all the slices in the pie. And that's how the Enneagram can help me rightly see God. Because sin doesn't just affect me, it affects the way I see God. It even affects me when I read scripture. I, I read my personality into the scripture. Um, I do that as an unhealthy three, right? I want every church to be 10,000 people. Uh, you know, I think every person should be Billy Graham. I mean, see what I'm saying? I, I, I put these standards on people and these goals on people that that's not in the text. Mm. Um, we, we, we want to create the Great Commission, but it's not a sin for a guy to pastor a church of 150 people. If he's exercising his gift and his ability to the best, man, that's that's a home run. Um, we all just need to do what we're called to do. And so even myself, I put burdens on my congregation, guys. We got to grow faster. We got to grow more. We got to do this. Well, it's my unhealthy desire to never be satisfied. Mm -hmm. See, and I, and then, and then I put that on God and then I put it on my church and then I burn everybody out. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't grow. I'm just saying I have to be careful, um, with that. So here was, what I would say to the audience, there are other guys that have influenced the Enneagram and some of these guys are weird. Uh, one, one guy's a philosopher, another guy, um, 
is a, uh, a psychiatrist, I think they both add to what Evagoras started. And the reason I'm okay with that is I'm okay if I go to the doctor and they're Muslim or they're atheist or whatever. What I care about is their skill set in providing healing for my body. And so I think those other guys that have piled onto the Enneagram have not diminished it, but they've helped refine it and speak specifically to some of the modern understanding of medicine that we have that's not available to Evagoras Ponticus. But I think it's a great tool to be real with yourself, to be real with others and real with God. And I think that's a good thing. Sorry, guys, yeah. I'm a talker. You got to interrupt. No, it's okay. You're good. You're good. Um, so, so the idea of being real with yourself and real with others is a key thing and a key theme throughout Matt's book. Again, the, the book is called A Book Called You, Understanding the Enneagram from a Grace-Filled Biblical Perspective. Now, now again, I, I think one of the, um, you know, for us, this is a kind of a late discovery and Don, Donna much more engaged in it than I am. But the idea of personality types and tests, I mean, I, I still remember first reading from Tim LaHaye, The Four Ancient yeah. Temperaments, Sanguine, yeah. Cleric, Melancholy, and Phlegmatic. And then I actually became certified in the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm an ENTJ, Donna's an ISFP. If there are two ways to be opposite, Don and I find those two <laughs> ways to be opposite. Yeah. But we actually, to the place where, like when we were going through at our church, this is uh, maybe 20 years ago, we would give people a spiritual gifts test Right. Uh, uh, and 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 uh, the Myers Briggs. So we actually gave the Myers Briggs because it helped us understand one another better. Um, I think the Enneagram, because it's sort of tied up into some spiritual history, you know, spiritual things, religious background. Uh, it, it almost is easier for people to say this is a personality test that helps you understand you, um, who you are, how you relate to others, and more. Which which I want to. That's what I want to drill in on. So how does because you just you just zip around these numbers, and I got to tell you. Yeah. I know what an eight is and I know yeah. what a nine is because right. that's my house. So if yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. and I read this, this book, you know, the road between us about, and we, 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 we laughed and learned together, but um, so how do you, um, how does it help you? And, and, and if you don't mind, you know, you said you're a three, what does that even mean? And what's a right. wing, you know, Daniel said yeah. he's a wing, um, you know, so give us a little more about what it is. And then I want to talk about how you use it as a tool at your church. Yeah. So what it is, it's, it's uh, an assessment and I wouldn't call it a personality assessment. I would call right. it a motivational assessment. Yeah. Now people, yeah. people do object to that. I'm just trying to frame it in the sense that yeah. it's something that helps yeah. you understand yourself. Yeah. And, and, and for, you know, this is a leadership podcast. And so what I would say is it's going to help you figure out what's driving you as a leader right. and, and everyone wants to say, God, okay. And then what's next. And, and so this is, this is, this is the reason you get up in the morning. This is the reason why you do what you do and what you can understand what your primary number is. Uh, it will help you to, to, to be aware of when you're off, off the guide rails or, or, or when you're leading somebody or challenging somebody. So it's nine numbers and that's where uh, the word Enneagram comes from. So Ennea is the number nine in Greek gram, you know, uh, like graphic, like you write on the paper. So it's, it's literally nine numbers on paper. And like Daniel was saying, I think the, the image of the Enneagram as a Christian is kind of like, whoa, that's why it's not in my book. I told the editor, don't put it anywhere in my book. I don't want, I don't want that anywhere because I think it's, it's just, you know, it's not the pentagram. We need to understand that it's like, it's like saying things in geometry are evil. It's just literally a nine sided, you know, uh, and I want to say square cause it's a four sided thing. And I, you, I just, outed myself mathematically here, but it's just, it's just literally how, how many points on this space are there? You know, uh, you know, pentagram is five, uh, hexagram, you know, a pentagram or enneagram. All of these are just numbers that tell you how many points are that you're measuring. And so this is nine personality types that really are trying to get at the, 
the core issue of what is your sin struggle and then how do you move towards beauty? How do you move away towards that? Um, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with the number nine. Like how many fruits of the spirit are there? Nine. So I, I don't know why people lose their minds with this. I mean, the, the apostle Paul came up with that. I, I assume that you guys believe that he was divinely inspired when he wrote down the number nine. So I don't think that nine is inherently evil. I think that it's a way to measure personality. And so, and again, that's why I would say there aren't nine personality types. There's an unlimited amount of personality types. And what we do at Sandals Church is, you know, Daniel said, I'm a, I'm a, I think you said you're a three wing two. That's right. Yep. So, so we don't look at the wings as much as what we do at Sandals. And, and what I encourage people to do is to look at all of the numbers. So I'd be interested. Yeah, yeah, but we got it. But I don't even like, like what's a wing. So, I mean, I get there's nine numbers, but what's a wing. Yeah. So the wing is the two numbers on the left or right of it. So Daniel's a three. So on his left would be four and on his right is a two. So just think of it like a clock as you go around in the circle. So I'm, I'm a three, four. So what it means is Daniel likes to, as a three, he likes to, you know, succeed. And he measures that by helping people. I'd have very little to, I don't want to help people at all. I'm a four, which means I'm moody and depressed and always sad about the lack of results. So, so that's wow. where it goes. So as we, as we run around the circle and I go through these in the book, yeah. uh, you know, in depth with each one, but basically we can run real quickly. The one is the, is the reformer. This is tends to be a perfectionist person. The two is the helper. Just like it sounds, they want to help. The three is the achiever. That's me. I want to, whatever it is, I want to win. The four uh, is the unique person. They don't want to win in anything. They just want to be themselves. The five, um, you know, is is a person that, you know, wants to understand, wants to be aware, never wants to be embarrassed. Um, they want to know things. The six, uh, this is the person that struggles with fear. Fear is the ultimate sin there. Uh, the seven is the the person that wants to experience everything, go everything, do everything. These are the people that jump out of airplanes, want to ski, visit every continent on earth, every place on earth. The eight, the powerful person. Um, this is the person that does not want to be controlled uh, and then the nine is the pacifist, the, the peacemaker, the person that wants to pursue peace at all costs. And all of these have beauty and all of them have brokenness. And so the wings are simply, what are the two numbers to your left or to your right? That's all that it means. I don't care nearly as much about the wings because if I looked at Daniel's test score and his, he, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a three, but his two score is really low. That doesn't matter nearly as much to me as let's say, He's, he's scored a 90 on a two, and then he's an 89-8. See what I'm saying? Why that would that would matter more to me. And so, um, you know, again, I think we talked about the ones. The ones get a hold of the Enneagram, and they want to dissect it, turn it into this perfect uh, method, methodology, and make it like the uh, Myers-Briggs. I don't think it's like the Myers-Briggs. I think it needs to be a, mo a little more loose, a little more open, fair. a little more fair. free range. That's my opinion. Yeah, that's so. fair. Mm -hmm. So, so man, I mean, uh, along with that, uh, so as you begin to understand the Enneagram, um, uh, talk through how church leaders can use it to be helpful for staffing or church leadership, elders, leadership opportunities to use it in a way that's appropriate and to, uh, and to avoid pigeonholing people based on, uh, you know, Enneagram.com or something like that, you know, descriptions yeah. of the Enneagram. Yeah. yeah I would, so I would tell, let me add to that too, because I think even you saying, um, you know, this is what a six is. This is right. what an eight is. I mean, people want to say, well, it's so much more, but it, I mean, it is. And that's why, again, I want to remind you that that we're having a quick conversation. Matt wrote a whole book called A Book Called You, Understanding the Enneagram yeah. from a Grace-Filled Biblical Perspective. But to Daniel's question, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I think that we have to be careful. I think it's, 
I don't know that I, I want to react negatively to pigeonhole. I think I want to react neg- negatively to weaponizing it. Eights are clear-cut, strong leaders. But, the dip- but here's the bottom line. Winston Churchill's an eight. And I think that we would all say we want that guy to be every bit of eight that he is and stare Hitler in the face and say, you know, you're not taking this. And so there's, there's just there's beauty in that. But sometimes they can be a little rough around the edges and they can run over people. And but that that that, that t- depends on how how aware they are, self-aware or not aware. And like this, this is Daniel's opportunity as his departing boss to say, yeah, Ed was Ed was like that all the time. But, yeah. but keep going. Keep going, Matt. So so here's where I would say as a leader, it's important. Let's say that I'm, I have a position that's open and I'm looking for a go getter. I'm looking for a difference maker. I'm looking for somebody that wants to win. They want to get up and go every day. And then I look and it says they're a nine. Their version of getting up and going every day, their version of winning is not going to be what my version of winning is as a three. So, so oftentimes when we hire people, we have expectations of what I think hustling is. And then there's the expectation of a nine, what a nine thinks hustling is. And so what I found is, um, you know, I, I, you know, the old, the old, uh, the joke of the tortoise and the hare. I tend to be the hare. Let's go. Let's sprint. And, and the tortoise. And when I say I make tortoises bleed, I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they're like, I'm running as fast as I can. And so what I think it does is it, it's, it leads to an honest conversation about pacing. And Ed, you know, every church has pacing, small church, big church, mid church. Um, everyone has their idea of what pacing is. Sandals is a fast paced church. We expect people to work hard, charge hard, take the hill. And that might be different at another church where they think they're charging, taking the hill. And so what it does is it leads to an honest conversation, Um, you know, and so we want nines. But um, like I I did some uh, mentoring with the church staff and they were frustrated with their lack of growth. They had 12 staff members. Everyone was a nine. Every single person on their staff was a nine. I was like, guys, this is not (laughs) this. This this is never going to happen because there's no eights to challenge. There's no threes to drive. You see what I'm saying? And you need all of the numbers in order to really make something work um, in our accounting, in our um, anything about details. I want ones. I want preciseness. I want my airline pilot to be a one. Amen. I want him to run through all 18 checklists. You know, you get Ed and I flying. We're like, we're good. Let's go. You know, and then we crash because we didn't run through the specific checklist, the checklist. And, um, you know, you, you make one mistake in an airplane, man, you know, you're in real trouble. Um, and so we, we want people to be able to do that. So what I would say is I think it's it's an it's an opportunity, Daniel, for an honest conversation, uh, specifically men. When we interview men, men want to be threes. I don't know why that is. I've never understood that. Uh, there are so many days where I'm like, Lord, why? You know, I tell my church all the time, my course in is lying. Maybe you want to find another church, you know, Um it's, it's, it's a struggle for me, but I think a lot of times men want to be threes. And so they feel like somehow, oh, I'm missing out. So look, you need to be whatever God made you and you need to be the very best of whatever that is. Cause that brings the most value to the kingdom. So, um, what I would just say is I think here's the, here's the beauty of it for your staff. It begins an honest conversation. And here's the thing. Here's what I say, Daniel. I say, Daniel, you took the test. This, this is how you see yourself. So it's not me saying, Daniel, you know, you're this. It's when you took the test, this is how you see yourself according to the Enneagram. Um, and I think it's, it's an open, honest conversation. Another thing, if somebody's high five on the Enneagram, they, they're very introverted. They, they think in their minds, especially in church work, it revolves around people. Fives do great in an academic setting. They're going to struggle, you know, with 
constantly being out. So the core sin of the five is greed and it's withholding, withholding time, withholding thoughts, withholding energy. And so you can imagine in a church, if you're a five, what you have to realize is, okay, I've got to be intentional about giving myself, spending time with people, uh, sharing my words, using my words. Um, otherwise, there's going to be a huge disconnect. And so I, I think it's it's such a, I mean, I hate to sound like a salesman. It's such a huge benefit to the church to have real and open conversations about your strength and your weakness. So Yeah. Yeah, let me follow up on that, Matt, because sometimes people use the language, I'm a healthy three, I'm a healthy eight, or when I'm not healthy. So there's kind of this idea that there's a healthy version operate out of your Enneagram type and an unhealthy version. Help us understand that and help us understand the importance of health in actually living out the potential of your particular type. Yeah, so I, I would be a little nervous by anyone who says I'm healthy. <laughs> I think we're all in process. I think we're all growing. I think I'm a person trying to be healthy. Is that fair? I, I, that's my goal. Um, but here's what I say is, you know, the more I work internally, I feel like the more stuff I'm finding. Uh, there's just there's just stuff in Matt Brown's heart, um, you know, that um, I, I had an opportunity this year uh, that I thought was uh, a golden opportunity, uh, something that I prayed about, something I feel like the Lord had wired me for something that I would have considered a promotion and I, I didn't get it. And it was really hard for me. And what came out of that was some really ugly stuff in me. And it was stuff that if we would have had this conversation last year, I would have told you it wasn't there, but because of the pursuit of the Enneagram and me, me continuing to work on that, I saw, I saw some real ugliness in my heart that uh, I know the Lord wants wants us to deal with. And uh, as I confess that up to him and as I bring that up to him, but what I say is with the Enneagram, you're never done. Like you're always in pursuit. And so here's the difference between like Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. You're just, did you say ENTJ? Yeah. So that, that, right. That's, that's who you are. And sometimes it can be used as an excuse to say, this is who I am in the Enneagram. There's no excuse. The Enneagram I, says, I think that's an important distinction. So it okay. is, the Enneagram is uh, more intended to help you find yes. uh, things about yourself yes. to, that are, that are, this is good and this is bad. Whereas the, the, like I said, the Myers-Briggs, which I'm getting very super versed in the Myers-Briggs yeah. is this is who you are. Just it's, it's your personality test. So, so that's an important distinction Yeah. that, and so you, cause you even talk about in the book, so I'm using it as uh which people wouldn't say this about the Myers-Briggs as much, but you're using it like as a personal development tool to look yes. in your own heart. Yeah. Yeah. So I think to truly grow, we need two points of reference. We need to know where we are and we need to know where, where we want to go. And so I think as Christians, right, we, we, we use this vague language of, okay, center and then Jesus. Okay. Yes. But our, each and every one of our paths to becoming more like Christ looks very, very different because we have different struggles. And so how do I, how do I get there? How do I do that? And so I got to work through specific things that, um, you know, for us. And so Daniel and I are both threes, but we're very different, even as threes. A three, two is very different from a three, four. Um, you know, and Daniel's blessed to not have the moodiness that I have, you know. Um, I'm pretty emo. I'm pretty emo. Wow. Okay, okay. I, I have so many comments that I'm not going to say. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it helps him to understand, you know, where he grows and how he grows. And so let me just tell you like what my wife and I, we're in counseling together. And, and this is what she said to me. She said, Matt, the more grandiose you are, uh, the less difference you're going to make. And I just was like, okay, 
because my personality tends to get bigger, better, louder. And she just said, I feel like your true giftedness gets lost in your grandiosity. And I, you know, but we have that, she has that ability to challenge me because she understands the three. And what she can say is, and, and, and if you'll listen to that, it's a subtle way of saying, hey, if you really want to make a difference, which is what a three wants, actually the path you're on is the wrong way. The louder you are, the quieter your ministry is. So let's bring it down a bit so that you can truly have an impact. And because I think God wants us all to have an impact. It just gives you the language and a path to grow where I would disagree with and, and, and the Enneagram, like in its cult light stuff. And, and there are people, and let me just say this, you know, witchcraft uses Bible verses. Like, you know, Satan used the scriptures to tempt Jesus. So just because something uses something as evil doesn't make it evil. Um, you know, people get really weird and occultic and like you can become this perfection, you know, using the number and stand, that, that stuff's weird. There is no perfection in the Enneagram. The Enneagram is merely a, a path. And I think most of us as human beings, what are the steps? I want to be better. What are the steps? Um, and, and, and I think that the way forward for most of us is acknowledging where am I broken? You know, if I want to run a marathon, the first thing, first thing I need to do is, is heal my broken ankle. I think that would be helpful. And I think we have people in our churches with broken ankles and we're telling them take the hill. And I think mm -hmm. God is saying, let's, let's heal this ankle. Let's heal this wounding. Uh, and for me, it's this voice that says, my core sin voice says, I only have value in and where I am successful and make a difference. Mm -hmm. That is, and that's not the gospel. The gospel says I have value because I'm a child of God mm -hmm. and because he loves me, not because anything about me, but simply because he loves me. And I, I get really twisted with that. So, okay. I got one more question because we're, we're, we are running out of time, but the book to remind everybody is a book called you understanding the Enneagram from a grace filled biblical perspective. I, I do think, you know, our audience is pastors and church leaders. I do think the way Matt sort of views it, because I, I, I just honestly, I find you an unlikely author on this topic. Yet yeah. Your lens gives us some different, I've read a couple books and you're, I, I found yours to be challenging. And uh, one of the things that that you talk about and people do in the Enneagram in general is, um, and I want to make this our last one, um, core sins and core strengths and right. how it speaks to and Enneagram helps us to be truthful and speak to ourselves. Talk mm -hmm. to me about that. Yeah. You know, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? I think as Christians, we, we see Jesus as the great command giver. Um, I think for every statement he gives, he asks a hundred questions. I mean, it's, it's unreal. He's the great question asker. And, and I think what the Enneagram helps us do is to ask what is going on at my core. That's the core sin. When I, when I boil it all down, what is at the bottom of all this brokenness? And I think when I was a kid in church, well, that answer was just sin, which is a vague term that I think begins the journey, but it doesn't help it specifically. And so for me, it's deceit. It is, and I have seen this throughout my life as a three, that um, I lie to myself, I lie to God, I lie to others. And so how do I, as a Christian, enjoy the truth of what Jesus said? You shall know the truth and what? The truth shall set you free. And so that's my life first. How do I live in the truth? And so, you know, my core sin, the core struggle of my life, um, I'm not a guy that struggles with substance. I mean, I, I just, I don't have an addictive personality. That's not me. For sevens, that's a different story. Um, but I struggle with, with being enough and how many, Ed, how many pastors are standing in their pulpits on Sundays and that is their core sin 
totally. and they've never dealt with it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, so for me, so, so then what is my core strength? My core strength is that I can, I can move the body of Christ forward in and as far and as deep as I understand my weakness. And um, I say it this way, you can only heal as deep as you're willing to go real period. And, um, and for me, that's been a lifelong process. And I would just say um, the Enneagram is a tool to help, help Jesus help you, help you be free. You're listening to Matthew Stephen Brown, pastor of Sandals Church and the author of a book called You, Understanding the Enneagram from a Grace-Filled Biblical Perspective. You can learn more about Matthew at abookcalledyou.com. And thanks again for listening to the Sessa Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as, well as other great content like this for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments, leave us a review that'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.